It's the Not Mainstream Podcast, episode something, I don't know. I want to get right into this episode, try and keep it short, quick, right to the point. I want to talk about Michigan and the kids that are declaring for the draft, that have declared for the draft, get into some Twitter questions at the end, and maybe before the Twitter questions, I get into a little bit of what Greg Doyle wrote about on Romeo Langford and how he accosted his dad in the stands, just just ugly stuff. Um, talking about kids that claim for the draft and developing leadership in college and all this nonsense. But let's get right into the Michigan kids. Um, Iggy Bresdakis. I, I, I never know if I'm saying that right. Iggy, Jordan Poole, and Charles Matthews all declared for the draft. It appears that Iggy is pretty much gone. Matthews is second most to leave. And then Jordan Poole is the most likely to return. I don't know how it's going to pan out. I guess we'll see what happens with workouts. And, you know, they'll get all of their input from, what is that board that uh, helps the kids, you know, determine where they're going to get drafted probably and, and whatnot. But they'll go through the whole process and they'll get more information and kind of go from there. I don't know when that starts and ends, but we'll find out more about that. But that will not stop people from declaring whether these are right or wrong decisions for these kids. And I first want to start out on the subject talking about how we how we start the subject. Like we, we start it with the question of, is this a good decision or a bad decision for this kid to leave? And then after the fact, we say, yes, it was a good decision or no, they should have returned. And it just that it makes it very black and white and it's way too detailed and way too nuanced and there's too many things that are going to be unknown from certain circumstances from year to year like you know maybe a kid gets hurt maybe this draft class is better um, than the next year's draft class or the year after that or it's worse or, or whatnot there's so many little details maybe the kid gets on the right team this year and then if he would have stayed and he got drafted by another team it would have been the wrong situation for him okay there's all sorts of little details here that we are never going to be able to know and let alone, we're never going to be able to know right now if these kids are good enough for the NBA. Maybe they're not good enough next year for the NBA. Maybe they're not good enough in four years. Maybe they're good enough in six. Maybe they're never good enough. Okay? We don't know these things, but we like to, even after the fact, when these kids make it or don't make it, we still say, yep, see, I was right. Well, no, you weren't right. Okay? The way you were thinking about it was completely off base. Okay? But you weren't taking into consideration all these little details, all these little things that have to happen. You see so many great players in the NBA not make it. Okay, let me rephrase. You see, I've seen a lot of talented players not make it in the NBA because of the situation they've been in, different circumstances with coaching, with management, um, and then other situations where guys are like unknowns and they make it just because, you know, they they were in the right place at the right time and they fit the exact spot that they took. And, and maybe all the other teams in the NBA, they would have never found that spot. You know, a guy like uh, Jonathan Simmons comes to comes to mind for the Spurs. Like he got an opportunity, now he's making a boatload of money. You know, he's not playing too much now. I think with the Sixers, but he got an opportunity with the Spurs. He paid for his own tryout for the Spurs D League team, I believe, and then he ended up making it and doing really well for them. Signed with the Magic, a big contract. Like you know, maybe there's no other situation where that would have happened. Maybe maybe that kid is like comes down with an, in, an ankle sprain when that uh, tryout comes and he, you know, he can't try out. He doesn't make it. He goes in next year and for whatever reason, you know, just doesn't fit with the team the next, the following year. 
like there's all sorts of things here that we do not like to consider, but we still like to declare yes or no on these things like absolutes. And it's dumb. I'm sorry. It's stupid. Like we can we can say yes or no on certain things that we're working with, but to then come at these kids and like just lecture them basically and try and tell them that betting on themselves is not a good decision and going for the money is not a good decision. Trying to say that to a kid or you actually thinking that is is crazy to me. Okay. Your arguments are that you should come back to school for one, to develop your game and two, basically, you know, life doesn't get any better. You know, all the attention in college, like still live the college life, blah, blah, blah. And then third degree, which degree is still below the attention from you get from college basketball. Okay. But I wanted to talk about number one. The number one argument is development. They say, they say, for instance, Iggy could come back and develop his game better, uh, you know, be a better scorer, a better leader, yada, yada, yada. One, to use that argument to try and say that outweighs the flip side of it, which is um, money, okay? And then the other one, chasing your dreams and being a pro, I mean, not going to school. There's so many other things on the other side of your argument that you're trying to battle against. I don't know how you think you can win that argument. To say to a kid, well, you know, don't bet on yourself now. You're not good enough. But maybe, but next year, you know, you'll come back and develop. Maybe you'll be good enough. I mean, if you were to say that to the kid's face, he'd tell you to fuck off. Like, you know, a guy with authority, you know, Beeline can say that um, because they know the kid maybe or, or like, you know, a, a draft, the draft board can say that stuff. But if you were to really say that to him face to face, that would not go over well. And I want to get into just a little bit because it's kind of a boring topic for me. But the part of developing in college versus, you know, developing in the NBA. If you go to the NBA, all right, let's say he goes to the NBA next year. He's on the NBA team. Maybe he's not playing too much. And you want to say, see, he wasn't ready. He could have developed in college. This kid gets all the time in the world now to develop his game. It's a slow process. Okay. He's still young. He's not even close to his prime. He's still developing his game. Yes, you can still develop your game in college. No doubt about it. Is he going to learn some secrets? Uh, you know, learn more from Beeline? I don't know. Maybe. I, I, I kind of doubt at this point. Freshman year is kind of when you soak it all up. And Iggy seemed to soak it all up and implement it at the same time. I'm not sure how much more he can gain from that. I mean, experience always helps as well. Um you know, he's just going to get better from experience alone. So, you know, if he does better next year, you say, see, he he should have stayed. He, he got better. Well, maybe. Maybe he got marginally better. And if you stay and only get marginally better, you know, your stock isn't going to be that great compared to where it is now. The NBA loves younger guys, okay? They don't really do well with juniors and seniors. So when your stock is high, they don't really like juniors and seniors. When your stock is high right now, you really have to capitalize. You never know what's going to happen the next year. Okay. Let's take Iggy, for example. Let's say Jordan returns. You know, Xavier is, is there as a senior. He takes more responsibility. And Iggy is there. Michigan plays pretty slow. I'm, I'm, you know, maybe Iggy could get a little more efficient with the shooting. Maybe become a better shooter. I'm not really sure how many more opportunities he's going to get on the offensive end. Unless he just is clear night and day like their go-to guy and they just give it to him at the end of the games, and he starts blowing up kind of like Trey Burke did. But that's a very tough thing to 
to predict or to really expect. And I want to talk about just developing your game at, in, at the NBA level compared to college. The games are completely different. I believe you need to get to the NBA and experience the NBA, see how they coach, see how the lifestyle is, see how the game is played on your team. You know, there's definitely different styles, but, you know, overall with the spacing, the time, you know, all that, you need to go and experience it. The sooner you experience it, the better off you'll be. You'll start maybe you, it, it, you slowly um, improve from that. Some guys, you know, get it right away and they, you know, hit the ground running and they're fine. You know, it, it just depends on your skill level, your athleticism, all sorts of things. But I really truly believe that you need to get to that level to experience it in order to improve at that level. I think that is crucial. Nobody's going to be in their prime when they're a rookie besides Michael Carter Williams. Okay, that's a, that's about it. <laughs> you know, there's certain guys on certain teams that suck, but otherwise, you're not really hitting your prime until you're about 27, 28, roughly. That's typically the average for NBA guys. I don't know if these guys, are, if Iggy would stay around for that long. Who knows? But I think you need to get the NBA. I don't think you're going to get better for the NBA game in college. Okay, the spacing is different, the coaching is different. Your restrictions are different. Um, the defense is different. You need to learn how to play NBA defense, which is very different. All right, you got to be better at one-on-one -on -one defense. And in college, it's you know it's much easier to play one-on-one -on -one defense. Way easier to play one-on-one -on -one defense because of the skill level for one, the spacing for two, um, no defensive three seconds for three, and you know the emphasis, you know less shooting on the perimeter, so you can, you can help more off of typical the average NBA, average college player than than the average NBA player. Um, there's bigger guys. It's just there, there's so many things that do not add up with playing college basketball that they don't really help you besides just the other fact of playing the game. Now you can say that he needs to be, these guys need to be in game situations in order to gain that experience. Um, maybe, uh, but these guys aren't going to be, you know, be leaders of their NBA team um, in the first five years, let alone ever, nor are they going to be the ones to have the ball in their hands at the end of games. Like the roles are going to be completely different in the NBA than they are at Michigan. Just utterly, drastically different. Okay, I cannot stress that enough. Yes, they want to get to that point where they have these roles at Michigan, but right off the bat, they're going to have to adjust. They're going to have to learn. They're going to have to learn how to, you know, slowly grow into those roles that they want if they ever get there. But right off the bat, that's not what's going to get them drafted. That's not what's going to get them to stay on an NBA team. Yes, it's the potential of these guys. But um, you know, there's a certain guy like, let's say, Poole. You know, he's going to be looked at as a DN3 guy in the NBA. And he gets to do a lot more in college now in terms of like responsibility of the team on his back and like his, his share of plays he has a ball in his hands and trying to make plays. Like he's not going to have that early on in the NBA, or he doesn't at least project that way. Let's put it that way. He, I think he could. Like, I'm, Don't get me wrong. I think he could. Like, He can develop those skills. Anybody can develop those skills um, if they put the time into it and they have the demeanor and you know mentality for it. Um, but that's, it's just very difficult to develop the NBA skills in college. Yes, you can use more ball screens. He could use more ball screens, and I think you know, that could help him. Um, you know, I don't know what that looks like, but again, Xavier is going to use a lot of ball screens, and Beeline trusts Xavier a lot with the ball screens. I mean, he trusts Xavier 
about as much as any point guard I've seen him, you know, besides like Trey, like I don't think he even said anything to Trey. Trey was just the on switch with Trey was just always on. The flip was always on. You didn't have to say anything to him. You were just like, okay, go out and do your thing. With Xavier, it's different. Like you talk to him about the offense. He trusts Xavier to call the plays and yada, yada, yada and get guys together. Um, it's a different situation. So Xavier's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. They play slow. So it's not like there's going to be more, too many more situations for a guy like Iggy to get the ball if he comes back. Um, you know, especially if Charles and Jordan come back. Like the team's going to look pretty much similar. Teske's gotten better. You know, maybe they'll post him up more. Maybe he'll take more shots next year. You, you, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, to say, bottom line is, get to the NBA, develop there. Whether you start from the bottom, whether Iggy has to go play in D-League, these guys have to go play in D-League. Um, you know, I'm just basically talking, centering on Iggy because he seems the most likely to leave. And I want to get to the point, too, about just leaving in general for money and to start your career, which Iggy touched on in his quotes. I would not blame any of these guys if they were, you know, barely even focused on the NBA and they just wanted to leave overseas because, or leave the college to go overseas because, you know, they got a pretty good contract overseas and um, they wanted to go that route and just make money. And, you know, I wouldn't fault them. To say that it is a wrong decision for a kid to leave early from school because he's not ready, but yet he can still go play overseas for a good contract even if he doesn't make the NBA, to me, that's not a wrong decision. Like if he if, if his goal is to just make money, which it seems like Iggy's is, it's just to start his career, whatever happens, then then that's fine. That's that's a good decision for him. You know, a guy like Trey was thinking about leaving after his freshman year and, and all his mind was on was the NBA. And he had a good freshman year, but you know, they the coaches convinced him to return for a sophomore year and he blew up. Like that's a great case, and I think a lot of Michigan fans hang on to that situation and they project that onto players now when they declare for the draft early. And, you know, how oh, if you stick with Beeline, you'll develop and you'll get better, blah, blah, blah. Well, the, all these situations are very different. All right. There's a point guard. You know, it's a very point guard heavy offense in terms of who uses ball screens, who dribbles the ball the most, who has it in their hands the most. So these are all very different situations. And you can't apply that situation to this situation now. You know, it's, it's a very dangerous game to be doing that. But people do it all the time. But to the point... Back to the point of kid comes out and says, I'm only looking at the NBA and if it's the NBA or I'm coming back, like if I, you know, I don't get a first round projection, then I'm coming back. Cool. Like, okay, then we can kind of start to dissect their situation a little more. Are they ready for the first round? Blah, blah, blah. Let's take a guy like Darius Morris, for instance. Darius just wanted to get out, man. He wanted to make the NBA, but he wanted to make money playing basketball. Like these kids' dreams are to play professional basketball. My dream was to play professional basketball. All right, some of these kids, you know, they don't really care about playing it. You know, Novak didn't care too much. He could have kept playing uh, basketball overseas. He didn't really care to do it. Um, that wasn't like his ultimate dream. Like he wanted to get a great degree from Michigan, play on a big level, you know, win some college games, but then use that to, um, you know, get a great job after school and, you know, go that route. And he did. He, he, he did exactly what he wanted. But most of these kids we're talking about don't want that. They, they want to play professional basketball, whatever that means. So if this turns out to these kids leave early and these kids have, they don't make the NBA, um, 
but they have a good career overseas. They stick with it and, you know, they make a lot of money overseas and they have a good pro career. Like to me, that's a success, but we're not going to look at it that way. You know, I hear all the time, oh, this dude's going to wash out. He's going to go play over in Lithuania and Germany for hundreds of thousands or, well, no, they don't even mention the money. They say Lithuania and Germany and, you know, because he's not good enough anymore. Well, they're playing for hundreds of thousands of dollars, okay, if you get to the right levels. Um, you kind of have to build your way up overseas. They don't really trust young guys too much, but, you know, that's been changing in the overseas landscape. Like, these guys would have no problem getting contract, good contracts overseas, like, at all. It would not be an issue at all. Um, but it's always funny to hear people, like, talk shit about it. And it's like, yeah, it's not the NBA, but, like, dude, I'm getting paid money to play basketball. Like, that's I would pick this any day of the week over college. Some guys wouldn't, and that's fine, but I would pick this life over college if, if, you know, I envy the kids over here that get to be 18 and 19 and play on pro teams and develop that way. They get in the league that they're going to play in. They, they see the game. They develop for three or four years. Then when they're 22, 23, sometimes even younger than that, you know, they start getting major minutes and then their career slowly builds up that way. That lifestyle is, is not bad. Now, you know, maybe you can't handle it being away from from home. I don't know. Everybody's different. But that lifestyle is not bad if that's what you want and that's what you set your mind mind to. Um, the other part of that is quickly, you know, you don't stop developing when you go overseas, all right? Let's say Iggy goes, he gets a first-round pick and let's say three years in the NBA. He doesn't uh, – I think it's three years guaranteed, right? He doesn't um, – it doesn't really work out for him. He doesn't get any prospects in the NBA that he wants or any at all, and he goes overseas, and, you know, he continues to develop his game, and he gets better, and then, like I said, you don't hit your peak until 27, 28 years old, so he's still a ways away from that, you can still develop your game overseas, you can still go overseas and come back to the NBA, shit, man, you can go to China, which is a joke of a league, like Jimmer did, and just put up buckets there, and not play real basketball, and then still get a chance in the NBA, and get guaranteed contracts, so, you know, you can make it from anywhere, it doesn't really matter, if you are good enough, you will be good enough, if you're not, you know, then you're not. Even then, there's still fringe guys. Like I said, every situation is different. There are 13, the 13th to whatever 15, 16 guy on the roster, you know, they're not the best. Let's say there's four of them at the end of each bench, and it's and it's 30 teams in the NBA, okay? So there's 120 guys. All right, there are probably 120 guys out there not in the NBA that are as talented as them or even more talented than them okay but every situation is different you know some guys hang on to certain teams even though there are plenty of talented more talented players out there um, but they just got in the door early for what you know whatever there's de many different reasons okay it's not to say these guys aren't good enough that they don't make it in the nba okay this is very difficult to get in the nba but bottom line i do not fault them for chasing their dreams attacking when their draft stock is the highest because you don't know what's going to happen in the next few years, in the next year, the next month. You have no idea. So when an opportunity arises, you know, it's funny, like in business, when an opportunity arises, you know, they tell you to attack it, right? And it's the same thing. This is business, all right? Well, it's not, it is, it's a business decision. There's an opportunity in front of these kids. And for them to not gauge where they're at, you know, how close to the opportunity they are, and even no matter how close they are, to still just go after it. You know, 
I cannot fault them for that. I think that is the right decision. Maybe there are some kids where he's like, um, you know, a projected lottery pick as a freshman, okay? And his freshman year goes to shit. Yeah, you know, and, and he's still got good prospects. Like, he'll get more opportunity next year. Things line up for him where the next season he'll have more opportunities. You know, maybe seniors left, high production guys left. He'll get a uh, more touches, blah, 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 blah. He'll have a better year, like almost guaranteed. Yeah, like, you know, those are clear cut to me those, that they should stay. Even then, those kids can still leave and, and develop at the NBA level based off potential. Uh, what was it? Harry Giles comes to mind with that. Um, when he was at Duke, he left anyways. He'll be fine. You know, some guys are just going to be cut out for the NBA no matter what. So, you know, I, I don't know. We want to talk shit about these guys. You... you, you the Michigan fans bring a lot of bias into this, obviously. I don't know you know, how much people are aware of it when they declare these things right or wrong. I don't think they do because they're throwing their emotions into it when they don't realize, which is fine. And it's totally fine to do that. But then to project your emotions onto a kid's business decision is a little crazy. I wouldn't project my emotions onto your business decision. So don't do the same thing because we are like you can't just keep your emotions out of it as a Michigan fan like it's it's essentially impossible to be unbiased as a Michigan fan and then try to dissect what these kids should do and then come up with an absolute answer one way or the other um you know it's impossible to keep it you can keep it as much as, as you you can try as much as you want but you know it's not really going to work out for you because that's just what humans are um so yeah I don't know if you know, I don't know if there's other things I've seen people talk about. Yeah, there's a, I have so many thoughts on that subject in a lot of different areas. Um, and, um, you know, maybe this wasn't clear and concise. Maybe I'll have to talk about it again on another podcast. But it's a very sticky situation. It's, it's not clear and concise. We try to make it clear and concise, and it is not. It's a very gray subject. There are a lot of unknowns. The entire process, you know, these kids are going through unknowns the entire process. So, you know, it's not easy. Um, it is not easy to leave school and declare without having, you know, without being a guaranteed first round pick. But another last point I'll make on that is it is I don't think it's ever been better now to be a second round pick in the NBA well, at least since I've been alive, I mean, you know, the second rounds pick, like they're not, they don't have guaranteed contracts right away, but I've seen more and more second round guys get guaranteed, get Jesus, get guaranteed contracts right off the bat, which is huge. Um, I've seen more second round guys get chances, you know, less guys get cut. So I don't think it's even a bad decision if you're going to get drafted in the second round. I mean, you're still chasing your dream. You still have a shot. Uh, especially if you sign a guaranteed contract, the team comes to you like they want you, they see you for the future. And that's huge. I mean, even if they're still skeptical, I mean, they're going to give you a chance. Like I know there's some guys that get drafted in the second round. You know, I was growing up, it was like, oh, these guys are getting cut tomorrow. And you'll see that. I mean, you'll see that in this draft, but I still think it's, you know, they, they've given more chances to young guys more than I've, seen in uh since i've been alive since i've been watching the nba so you know i'm not going to fault these guys for what they do i think it's obviously the right decision to go out and try and figure out 
what their stock is really at and get all the information they can uh, at this time and then make the best decision. I think, you know, everyone hopes they return. I wouldn't bank on that. Um, I think if I were to make a projection, Jordan returns and the other two don't. But I don't know. You never know. We will see what happens and then we can have more arguments about it later when these decisions are officially made and then, uh, yeah, pull each other's hair out. So that'll be fun. All right, let's get to some Twitter questions. I'm not going to get into Doyle's thing. I'll, I'll talk about that on a different pod. Maybe I'll record another one tomorrow and release that later. Um, but let's get into some Twitter questions, some good ones on the draft, and another funny one. Okay, first one. How do you see David DeJulius, I think I'm saying that name right, fitting into the rotation next year with Simpson as a senior, Eli Brooks on the outside? I have absolutely no idea, to be totally honest with you. Uh, David didn't really get much run at all this year. I've never seen him play before. I don't know what people report on him. I don't know if I've ever even heard Beeline talk about him before. I mean, I don't follow too much, to be totally honest with you. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him step in and, and you know, produce at the two. You know, they wouldn't ask him to do too much, depending on who returns and who leaves. But, yeah, I think he could fit in. I just have no idea what he's about. Player comp, past or present, for Jordan Poole. I'm not really sure. Jordan's a tough one. Um, you know, they say he's too short to play the two. I don't believe that at all. He can play the two in a lot of teams. I think these teams play two small guards at a time. A lot of times, I mean, if you can shoot and defend, you know, you're gonna play. You know, he's six four. I think he's long enough. He's athletic enough to still play the two and guard. I mean, you know, Redick is out there playing it. Obviously, he's a fantastic shooter. But if Jordan improves, I mean, let's see, Joe Harris is out there playing. What is he, 6'5", you know, similar, and he's less athletic than Jordan Poole. You know, he shoot well, and he play defense. Now, I mean, you can compare him to any 3 and D guy. Um, yeah, I don't think a team really is looking at him to have the ball in his hands. But, I mean, he's more than capable of making a play in space in the NBA. But I think he's going to make his money playing 3 and D. I mean, you know, to start like a like a Joe Harris type, just be a knockdown shooter, um, and then start from there. I think that'll benefit him the most, um, similar to a lot of those three and D guys. And then developing your game outward from there, uh, I think is crucial uh, for most players. You know, most players don't they don't develop from the shot first, uh, and I think that hurts a lot of guys because you know. More than half of the game is shooting the basketball. If you can make the shot, you know, that's going to shore up a lot of dribbling deficiencies, uh, athletic deficiencies. You know, if you make shots, you know, it really doesn't matter. You know, the other things that you're not as good at don't matter that much anymore. So I, I think if he starts there, he'll be great. Next question. Is Embiid fat now? Uh, yep. Is the next podcast going to be about you getting snubbed in the Michigan Twitter bracket? It's the content we crave. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't have the t- I don't have the time or interest to be a full-on Michigan 
uh, well, I have the time. I just don't, I cannot dedicate myself to one one thing like that and create a Twitter account for it. I mean, I think it would be fun. These guys have fun with it for sure. I mean, until you're Scott Bell and you're getting your account uh, suspended. But even then, he's having fun with it. You know, I follow Ant, and Ant definitely has fun with it. He has grown uh, a huge fan base around this, and it's funny to watch, see where he started, and then come to where he is now. Uh, I think he's a fifth seed in the bracket. I mean, that's that's big. That that, that is a big seed um, to you know develop to after not too long. I mean, I don't know how much he's really been analyzing Michigan, but. Yeah, it, it, it's cool to see the bracket. Um, and I wish I could like feign outrage and say I should be in it, but I'm a different uh, different type of account than that, obviously. Ooh. Ooh, I want to shout out to myself for being followed by Juju Gotti. If you listen to the Dan Lebatard show with Stu Gotts, then you know who Juju Gotti is. And yeah, he follows me on Twitter, so you're jealous. All right, last question. When players were considering going pro slash transferring, what is their communication like with the, with the rest of the team or coaches? Um, none, unless you ask them in terms of like players. Like, you know, when Manny was going through the whole process and Darius was going through the whole process, I didn't ask them a single question about it. I just was asking people, like, did they – leave did they declare i mean i knew darius was gone i think manny was considering it a little more um we all knew darius was gone we knew he was gone from like the fifth game in so that wasn't even a communication to be had uh we didn't know about manny i figured he would leave i didn't think there was you know, maybe a five percent chance he would have returned so like these communications weren't really necessary transferring um when when Smotrich transferred he came in and he told the team and said this is what he thought was best for him and uh we all understood um i think we had an awkward meeting actually when that happened but i can't remember what was said oh i'm gonna have to ask novak i don't think i can tell it i'm not gonna tell it but there was something happened there oh 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 yeah we, <laughs> we had a meeting actually evan I think he told us, but we had a meeting. Yeah, he told us, and then we like we're gonna vote about letting him use the facilities um, while he was still on campus during the school year before he left. And yeah, I don't. I remember not really caring, but I think we voted that he shouldn't be able to allowed shouldn't be allowed in the locker room. And yeah, I didn't really understand i mean i understood it but i didn't i care i would have let him use the locker room and facilities all he wanted uh but yeah that was funny i forgot about that but in terms of talking to the coaches you know I, they know they I, again i don't think there was much convincing me to come back or darius to come back um or smotchers to come back even if they wanted to convince them to come back i don't even know if they did um with Trey, I know I walked into BA's office, Bakari Alexander's office, uh, you know, a f- week or two after we lost when Trey was considering whether to leave or not. And I sat down and I was just shooting the shit with BA. And 
he was, I don't know, doing something uh, with some list and on his computer and writing stuff down. I was like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, I'm making a list of player comparisons for Trey of guys who stayed and guys who left after their freshman year with comparative, uh, comparable stats. And I was like, holy shit, you guys really, you're going to every length possible to keep this kid. Um, and I didn't think he was going to leave just based on, I don't know, just perception, the way he came in and just, you know, without all the hype around him coming in, even though he had a fantastic year. Um, but I thought that he was going to stay for sure and then leave after his sophomore year, just even after that. Um, but yeah, they had to do a lot of convincing to to keep Trey there. And you saw Corey's uh, second senior year uh, definitely helped convince Trey to stay. Um, but yeah, they had serious communication conversations to get Trey to stay for his sophomore year, and that worked out fantastic. But I mean, I never, I never really talked to Trey. I didn't really ask him about it at all. Um, I mean, I wasn't really, like, really interested. I guess I mean, I cared to see like what what he decided to do, but you know, I wasn't trying to get the inside scoop on things, nor did it really affect me. But uh, things worked out for him, and you know, it was good that he stayed, and because he knew he was going to have the reins and the ball in his hand, and that they were going to be really good with the freshman class. So they would win, and it would look better for him. So. All those things panned out, um, but man, they went to, they were overturning every single stone to get whatever they could grasp onto to keep them to stay, but, uh, so that was interesting to see. I don't know how many times, I mean, I can't believe b uh, has done that before with a kid, nor any of those coaches. It's got to be a very unique situation to go through. I don't know who you turn to for advice, maybe Beeline, um, ask some, uh, you know, one of the, one of the coaches from the high end schools would deal with that more often. Um, and I don't know what he's doing with guys now with Iggy and Jordan and Charles, you know, I have no idea. It, it's a two way street there, you know, you know, they don't have to take every phone call from Beeline and, um, you know, maybe Beeline doesn't want all these kids to return. You, you know, I don't know what the situation is. We can only guess, but yeah, every situation is different with that. Um, but it's funny to think that we didn't have too many transfers and too many uh, guys going pro leaving early. So I guess there was a Laval Lucas Perry too, but that was a, well, that was a totally different situation. So yeah, that's the podcast. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. Trying to get another one out here pretty quick. Talk about Greg Doyle and his deficiencies as a human being who judges basketball players fantastic cannot wait thanks guys see you next time